Welcome to My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 358. It's a special Gimel Tammuz edition. We all wish that this day had not happened 27 years ago. Yes, the Gimel Tammuz of the Friedrich Rebbe's beginning of his redemption led to the full redemption of Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz. There's the Gimel Tammuz that happened in the time of Yehoshua when the sun stopped. But the Gimel Tammuz in our generation, where the sun stopped, Pnei Moshe ke Pnei Chama, the face of Moshe of the generation is like the face of the sun, and has not yet revealed itself as the Aschalt of Geula in a revealed way, the Geula Amitiz Vashlema. So, of course, it's quite a sad day on one hand. On the other hand, we were trained and taught by the Rebbe that sadness is never an end in itself. It has to be a catalyst for growth and even more intensified efforts in fulfilling the Rebbe's mandate that he had given us. So that's really the power of Gimel Tamus. Which means that you, those that sow with tears will reap with joy. So if there are tears, and there should be, they're not an end in itself. They're, there, they're like to water and irrigate the garden, Basilagani, in order to create even more growth and, frankly, more responsibility that we carry now to be the Rebbe's arms and legs and the Rebbe's ambassadors and shluchim and shluchis to bring the message of Teda, Yiddishkeit, Chassidus, Sheva Mitzvah B'neinach, and everything that godliness represents to every corner of the world, any person we can reach. And that's ultimately the real calling of Gimel Tamos. So yes, we can sit and debate and argue and discuss why it happened and what it means, but the Rebbe always wanted action. The action is what does it mean and what, is, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? How many times, and, and without a fail, every time there was anything, a tragedy, a loss, it always ended up becoming, from the Rebbe's point of view, how is that going to motivate us to become better, to create better activities, to reach more people, and with that positive attitude. The Rebbe was never in the context of being a victim. We're never victims of circumstances. We make things happen. We don't just watch things happen, and we don't just stand on the sidelines and throw our arms up and say, what are we going to do? The Rebbe quotes the Friedrich Rebbe as saying that at the end of Masech Seita, you have the negative, Simonim, what will be in Ikvas of the Meshich at the end of days? And then the Gemara concludes, V'ein lonu liyashoyin ela alavinu shebashamayim. People will say, we have nothing else to rely on but, but our Father in Heaven. So it sounds like a blessing that after all the problems, we'll be completely in a state where we can't do anything but rely on God. And the Friedrich Rebbe says that itself is part of the negative signs of the end of days. That instead of doing something, we'll just throw up our hands and say, we have, we, what can we do? It's so bad, there's nothing we can do. That has never been an approach in Teda. That's never an approach of Chassidus when the Jews were stuck between a rock and a hard place, the Egyptians pursuing them, and the sea before them, and they broke into four different camps. One said, let's go to war. One said, let's pray. One said, let's jump into the sea. The other said, let's return to Egypt. All of them were rejected. If I you saw one word, move forward. You were told that you're going to Har Sinai, and you will leave Egypt, you're going towards serving me. 
at Mount Sinai, receiving the Torah. Same thing here. We were told we're going to the Gula. The day Mashiach Sidkenu, the Rebbe made it clear 70 years ago in Bosilagani Tovshin Yud Aleph, we're the seventh generation from the Alter Rebbe. We will finish the job and reach the finish line. Has it been easy? Have there been setbacks? Have there been challenges? Absolutely. But Vayiso, one word, we must move ahead and forge ahead. That to me is the theme of Gimel Thomas. To not look distracted by all the questions and the dilemmas and the darkness and the concealments, but to forge ahead with more intensity than ever, precisely because we don't have answers. And precisely we can get so easily paralyzed and break into four groups. Should we go to war? Should we pray? Should we resign ourselves and surrender? Should we throw ourselves into the sea? So precisely because of those options, we need to take that fifth and only option by so move forward. And we were promised, do what you have to do and the Gaula will come. And the Rebbe said that in 1991 in the classic Sikha 30 years ago, Chof Ches Nissen. Essentially reiterating some of the points he made, Purim Tav Shemem Zayin, four years earlier. Tut Alzvah said, again, do everything you can. I did what I can. Now you have to do what you can. Of course with the Rebbe's Kechus. This is, encapsulates the Gimel Tammuz message. I received many, many questions. I can't do them all. I'm, I, I would love to. So I've summed them up and tried to consolidate them and address questions regarding to Gimel Tammuz. And we will also talk about Pasha Chukas, which is this week, and some other themes that are related to all of that. But with the focus is Gimel Tammuz. Gimel Tammuz is the day 27 years ago when the Rebbe's Neshama went upward and people like on our level, the Ene Basa, with our flesh, eyes of flesh and blood, there we do not see the Rebbe. So it has significance. I personally was inspired and ignited. I would not be doing this program. I would not be doing anything I'm doing, frankly, today. We're not that inspiration. So, of course, it's just personal nature, but it also is collective nature. Because the Rebbe wasn't just an a Rebbe for one individual. It was a Rebbe for the world. A Rebbe that God sent to this world on a mission to teach us what our mission is. And to suggest that Gimel Thomas is an end is absolutely incorrect. Is it an assignment, a challenge, a test? Yes. But that's why we come together and we intensify and we strengthen our bond and we strengthen each other in this journey in the Vayuso of forging ahead, unwavering with even more strength than before. So here are some questions that came my way. And I, again, appreciate everybody's uh, vote of confidence. First of all, sharing your questions. Some of the questions are very sensitive. Some, frankly, are written in ways that some may consider irreverent. But as I've always said, I want to hear people. I want to hear their voice. I want to be able to address it. And I'll point out if I think sometimes the language should be a little different. But we all have entitled to be who we are. And we learn and we grow how to become more sensitive when we talk about the Rebbe and about Kimmel Thomas. But it's understandable that people have many questions. And not everybody understands all the dimensions. And none of us understand all the dimensions of what a Rebbe is, what godliness is. And the, the, definitely the bigger plan. And especially so many that were born after 27 years ago. People who were born even 30 years ago would probably barely remember the Rebbe. But 27 is a whole generation of people born after Gimel Thomas. So I, and I deliberately and encourage, and, and more than encourage, I, I can't say demand, but I, in any possible way to get your questions because the most important thing is to engage, to talk, to discuss questions, answers, that means you're involved. A person who becomes apathetic and doesn't even ask questions, either because they gave up 
or because they don't feel they'll get answers, or because they don't care one way or another, that is much harder to deal with. So please see this as a platform for discussion, for dynamic discussion and interaction of any sort. And any question is acceptable. Just go to chsidasapply.com. There's a forum. You can write it completely anonymous, completely confidential. Nobody knows where it comes from. And if you do want to share, give an email address because you want a response or you want something specifically sent to you, please do that as well. That website is filled with resources, Hasidic resources, exactly as the name suggests. My life, Chassidus Apply, ChassidusApply.com. That applies Chassidus to our personal, psychological, emotional lives. Many different programs, different classes. I began recently a new class called Tanya Applied, My Life, Tanya Applied, teaching a half hour each week, um, going in order from the beginning of Tanya and applying it to our lives. And many other resources, please take advantage, including all the archives of previous programs, as well as the essays and the creative submissions during our, of our annual My Life Chassidus Supplied essay and creative contest. Okay, so what is, what is the significance of this day? Maybe it's the biggest question of all. So there's two parts to this. One part is a mystery. The mystery of existence itself is the mystery of why God conceals, the mystery of why, why we need to have sometimes a setback or a situation that seems not positive. And no one really can understand why it has to be that way. Hashem could have, God could have done it a different way. So in that sense, there's a certain mystery here, and I'm the first to acknowledge, and I want to say that I don't know. I don't know why Gimel Thomas had to happen, just like I don't know why the Holocaust had to happen. But I do know and the fact that it did happen means there must be something lesson for us. And that's the key thing that we have to ask. Perhaps it was meant to bring out our initiative. The Rebbe said, I did everything, now do what you can. Where what environment is most conducive to do what you can is when you don't see your teacher, your mentor, holding your hand. Even though there's no question the Rebbe is there, but you don't see it. It doesn't have quite the giluyim in the language of Chassidus. So the Rebbe said this, In other times, why Bikish Yaakov Legalis Saketz, Yaakov wanted to reveal the Ketz, which means Ketz Agolas, Ketz when the Mashiach would come, and God concealed it from him. That's what Rashi says in the beginning of Ayechi, based on the Medrash. Why? Because if Jews would know when the Ketz is, there would be some element where they wouldn't completely cry out on their own. Because they, in a sense, can expect. So in other words, the concealment, and the Rebbe said similarly, in his Shainer Rabbah, why would God continue this Golas? Why is he concealed so much? And he said, the only way to explain it is because then we shrayim it on emes. If there was one glimpse of explanation or hope, you wouldn't cry out with, a complete, with your complete heart and soul. Because you'd say, you know, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. So though in our minds we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, tunnel. But emotionally, so you could say perhaps Gimel Thomas. That's not an explanation why it happened. After the fact, that's one of the things that may elicit in us and should elicit in us. And it's exactly how I feel and exactly how I believe all of us should feel. Not less responsible, not, oh, you left us alone. On the contrary, it's a vote of confidence that even as you're an adult and you leave your home and someone is not holding your hand, you have the strengths and resources to do what you have to do to bring the Mashiach, to spread chassidus. Personally, I can say 
before Gimel Tammuz, before Chov Zayin Oder, I was basking in Gan Eden, working for the Rebbe, writing Fabrengen's Chazorah. And of course, it was a tremendous pleasure and tremendous responsibility and tremendous work. But in many ways, the work now is harder, but it creates more responsibility. And I'm more motivated in a certain way, precisely because I know what I was trained to do. And I'm only bringing myself as an example, not here to toot my horn or explain my, what motivates me, but I am saying that as a result of what I've seen, I feel a true obligation and a gift, as a gifted way, in a gift way, not as a burden, to do whatever we can to spread chassidus. I wouldn't be doing my life chassidus applied. I wouldn't be doing all the other programs if we're not the case. I could just maintain whatever I was doing back then. But that's not what we were trained to do, to grow. And I wrote Toward a Meaningful Life. It was motivated by that and all the other efforts that I do, just as an example. And you have to do the same. In your own way, with your skills, with your opportunities, with your position, with your sphere of influence. To realize that the Rebbe is working through you and that you have to rise to the occasion because you can't now say, you cannot right now say, let me schlep that person to 770. Schlep, I mean, in a good way. He'll get a dollar from the Rebbe, get a blessing, go to Ofabrengen, go to Yechidus, or whatever it may be. That is not possible right now. So the only thing is that you serve as that person. They tell the story about each of the Masmid, who was killed, unfortunately, by the Nazis. Shriti Karebbe took it very much to heart. Him, Chachafegen, some of the biggest chassidim. So he was once in Yechidus by the Shriti Karebbe. And he was uh, asking for a tikkun. A tikkun means somewhat of repair. How can he make up for something that he thought was a transgression, quote-unquote, you could imagine. And one of the things they brought up, among others, was that he goes to different cities, and he comes, and he's representing the Rebbe, he's raising money, Maimed, or other things, he's coming to teach chassidus. And often people will come to him for abrochem, seeing him as a representative of the Friedrich Rebbe. And he says, he feels that they may think, I'm giving them the brochem, that's coming from me. And he wants a tikkun that it shouldn't be even that little speck of doubt that people think it's coming from him. The Friedrich Rebbe smiled and responded to him. He said, Vosadir, what do you mind what they're thinking? You know it's coming from here. So they said, you're the shliach. Like the Rebbe once told someone else, the Rebbe, who said, who the Rebbe answered him for a question he asked. He says, Go, according to the advice of friends that are experts. So he said to the Rebbe, I want the Rebbe's advice. I don't want friends or experts. So the Rebbe says, Why do you mind that I'll answer you through friends, experts? That's itself what the Rebbe wants. That sometimes it goes through someone. So there's no doubt that we have the strengths given to us by the Mishra Rabbeinu, the Neshama Klolos of our generation. But at the same time, we were given a job. We could go to sleep, God forbid, or do nothing. So that's the significance of Gimel Tammuz. That, that uh, awesome responsibility we carry, each one of us. Think about it. This is what we should be thinking about and, and making real resolutions around as we come from this 27th year since Gimel Tammuz, Tov Shinun Dalet. How could this event happen if a shepherd never forsakes his flock?
It is said a shepherd never deserts his flock. A true shepherd, It's in a letter actually from the Friedrich Rebbe written after the Istalkus of the Rebbe Rashab He does not forsake his flock, a shepherd. We see Moshe, even one sheep that strayed, he immediately was sensitive and brought it back. So based on that, but yet Gimel Tamas happened. Are we allowed to be angry at the Rebbe for abandoning us? Of course I don't really mean that. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just very upset and I miss the Rebbe. I wish he would still walk into 770. Like he used to. And light up his room. And light up the room with his charisma. Well. Obviously, anger is not the right word, as you said. Is it upsetting, especially when you think about it, as those of us that saw that charisma and that light, that godly light, even on a regular day, let alone on Shabbos and Yom Tov, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and Chesteira. So yes, we all have that feeling, anyone who experienced it, anyone who thinks about it a bit. You know, when you see something of that nature, and then suddenly that light is not shining, the sun stops, of course, but we have to say that exactly that. A true shepherd never forsakes his flock, which means that the Rebbe did not forsake us. Because that statement is a fact. The fact that we don't see the Raya, the shepherd, doesn't mean that it's not there. Like the Alter Rebbe explains at the end of the beer, that it's like a sun that continues to shine even after the sun sets. Son of Moshe Rabbeinu continues to shine to the stars. So the light is there, but we don't see it from the sun, we see it in the stars. So once we know that, we know that the shepherd never forsakes us. And how do we see it? We see it when we do our work. When by you sow, you move forward in an unwavering way. You get you see the strength surging within you. You can even see the direction. Now, there are different ways that people connect. Some people connect, they go to the oil. Some people connect in other manners. The point is that the Tzemaris, the Zereya, did not leave and forsake his ship. That's a fact. Now, can I prove it? Of course, a skeptic can say, one second, I don't see the Rebbe. So the Rebbe, yeah, there were a lot of great Rabbeim. Okay, look, I don't know if I can argue it on a scientific level. It comes down to, again, back to the Vayuso, that there's a certain acceptance of the commitment and the, the mandate that was given to us. As Abshmol Munkis said to the Alta Rebbe, if you're a Rebbe, there's nothing to be concerned, and if you're not, God forbid, then you deserve the worst. If a person accepts that the Rebbe is the Rebbe, and the Rebbe is sent by God, and the Deir Ashvi is the, is the Nasi Ashvi, and as recently was publicized, a footnote from the Rebbe that he wrote on Chav Ches Sivan, Tov Aleph, 30 years ago as well, where he wrote that, Yeshleim, that Kol Noshim Noshim Betaf, of our generation, are Malchus, Asfiris HaMalchus, following Sfiris HaYesod from the Friedrich Rebbe. So we are all, we're all part of Sfiris HaMalchus, of Deir Ashvi. So we continue this mandate. And the Rebbe is working this time through us. So it may not be revealed, may not see the sun, but the stars are shining. That doesn't come from nowhere. 
they've come from somewhere. They're, they're reflecting something. So that's my response to that. And while we may be saddened by the concealment, it has to turn. That sadness cannot remain just a debilitating, demoralizing force. It has to be one that motivates us even more than ever. I remember when the Rebbe had the stroke, I'm sorry, when the Rebbe had his heart attack, Tov Shalom et Chesh night. And it was serious times. I was a Bokhar in 770. And that night, we all thought for sure there'd be a Fabreng in the night the, before Akofis, the night of Simchus But there wasn't. But the Rebbe, in classic style, sent a message. So everybody gathered that night when the Rebbe Fabreng, usually around 9 o'clock, Leil Simchus which would then be followed by Akofis, one of the me- maybe the most powerful Fabrengen of the year. And the Rebbe's message was, that when the seat is empty, that's what reminds you that it's empty. That's what Dovid HaMelech says when he speaks with Yenison, the Aftar of Machar Chedesh. David was afraid of Shaul, who was pursuing him, saw him as an enemy. So there was always a Sudas Melech, the king made a meal and a, part, and a banquet, an Evrish Chedesh. And David could not, felt he couldn't come because it would have been danger. So then he says, you'll remind him, Yenison, the son of Shaul, I will be remembered because your seat, Yenison says to David, when your seat is empty, he'll remember you. So sometimes when someone's sitting in their seat, you can take them for granted. You don't necessarily remember them. When the seat is empty, you suddenly say, one second, where is he? And it was explained at the time, like Tzimtzum, Chassidus says, Tzimtzum, Simpson is concealment. Simpson is derech siluk. Not kapshute, but derech siluk. Complete concealment. And yet the whole purpose of it is b'shvila gili. In the Moshe, the famous example, the father hides from the son, conceals himself. Not as an end in itself, but rather as a stepping stone to bring out the ingenuity and creativity of the child to find. And that's how we look at it in that context. Okay, next question. Are there people who believe that nothing happened? Meaning on Gimel Thomas. What is the rationale behind some people in the community who say Gimel Thomas never happened? If Rebbe isn't at the oil, where do they think he's hiding? Are these people just in denial? Or are, these, are there precedents in the Torah for their views, such as where it says Yaakov Avinu Mess? Yaakov did not die. I miss the Rebbe very much, and part of me wishes they are right, and that Gimel Thomas didn't happen. But alas, apparently it did. I'm not here to speak about other people and their beliefs or non-beliefs or whatever it may be. I will say, as a limutzchus, because the statement and the fact that a shepherd never forsakes his flock, so some feel that the shepherd never left. And I just said that myself. The question is what form it manifests. Because at the same time, even when it says Yaakov Avinu Mes, the Gemara continues. Itaka doesn't say the language mess, that he died, Vayomos. But it says, V'chi sabdu sabdayu. Didn't they eulogize him? V'chi kovru kovrayu. Didn't they bury him? V'chontu chantayu. Didn't they embalm him? Not in that order, but those three things. So the Gemara answers, Mazari b'chaim afu b'chaim. Just as his children are alive, just that same as he was alive. The Gemara doesn't say there was no kvura, there was no burial, and there was no eulogizing, and there was no uh, embalming. It answers. 
Apitet and halacha, there are rules who decides when something is alive and something is not alive. We're not talking about ruchnis dikal living. We're not talking about tzaddikim gambe chayim kruim meis. Tzaddikim gambe misosim kruim chayim. That even in their deaths, they're called alive. And the shoyim, even when they're biologically alive, they're called dead. But these are matters that are not so simple. Elokus is, there's nothing more than elokim chayim, a living God. And yet we don't see godliness. So is he here or is he not here? So this is already a deeper discussion, understanding what is reality. What does it mean that something is here? What does it mean, truth? So there's no question, there's no question that Rebbe is with us. To say Gimel Thomas didn't happen as if nothing happened, I have not met a person who comes on that level that will say that Tzimtzum didn't happen because because the truth is it's a divine power. And it is, the Tzimtzum itself is the Shem Alekim, the Kayach of the God to conceal himself. Same God that has the power to reveal himself, Hain Heng Vuresov, also has the power to conceal himself. But still it's called concealment, at least from our perspective. From God's perspective, concealment and revelation are both equally the same. But from our perspective, and that's what matters, our perspective. And therefore what has to translate is into intensifying our work. To say it never happened and make believe like it didn't happen and just everything is normal and usual, then it won't elicit our deeper longing. The point is that the child looks for the father when he's concealed. If he says he's not concealed and everything is like every, nothing changed, then the whole purpose, then that, that, makes, that defeats the whole purpose. So I would not agree with that in any way. You can say nothing changed fundamentally, spiritually, but something changed that has to be a catalyst to motivate us and inspire us to do more. Okay. Mazari b'chaim, afu b'chaim. What was the Rebbe's last major teaching? The last major teaching from the Friedrich Rebbe, before he passed away, was the Basilagani Maimer. To be precise, that was the Maimer that the Friedrich Rebbe actually delivered back in 1923. They say when the Rebbe first came to see the Friedrich, first time that he saw the Friedrich Rebbe. But it was published, published as official Maimer of the week of, yes, that Shabbos Yudshvat. So that would be considered the last Maimer, as the Rebbe many times points out. When the Rebbe took over the leadership, he built upon expound, and expounded upon Basilegani Maimer every year as the mission statement of his leadership. Correct. And every year, the Rebbe would review one of the chapters. So there's no question that Basilegani is that last major teaching. I, mean, I, like the, I don't like the word last, but the last, Bechaim Chayusei Be'al Medein. My question is this. What was the last major teaching the Rebbe taught before Gimel Tamas? And now that we are dependent on ourselves without a physical leader, should we, be, should we expound upon that teaching and make it the mission statement of our generation? Very good question. So I would like to say, first of all, we're not dependent on ourselves. We have a Grace Eibishter, a Grace Rebbe. However, the point is well taken. You're talking about we don't have it in a revealed way. So what is this last teaching? Well, if you look at the last talks that the Rebbe delivered, Vayakal, Shabbos Pasha Vayakal, Tovshinun Beis would be the last sikhah the Rebbe would deliver, Leisato, before the stroke. So he talks about Gu'ula and about Avas, Vayakal, Avas, and Achdus Yisrael. That's the specific theme there. Other details as well. If you look at the last few years, and that's what I would look at, because that, you see a consistent theme. So the Bosa Ligani of the Rebbe would be exactly what he said in Tovshin Yud Aleph. 
that this is the day Rashvi, and we've now come to the end of the process. And Tovshin Yud Aleph was the beginning of the, the seventh generation. Now the Rebbe says we've done all the work, and we finished the work, and now you have to do everything you can. So if you want to say the, the so-called final mandate of the Rebbe us, is to do whatever we can to bring the Geula. And that's what we need to expound upon and learn about, and act upon. Some people refer to the Maimer of Atatetzava Memalov that the Rebbe gave out, the last Maimer he gave out. Okay. And there are themes there that can be learned from. Some refer to the last Mugadikasiche, full Mugadikasiche, Kisisa, Nun Beis, where the Rebbe speaks that this chapter concludes all the whole history, the whole process, from beginning, middle, and end. When things are great, then when there's a down, then there's a, down, there's a setback, and then when you repair. Then the Chet Egel and Some look at that as being a final statement, so to speak. But however you look at it, it comes down to the theme that the Rebbe always spoke about, the mission of our time. And especially in the last few years of the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's not Nesiyas, Nesiyas continues, the Rebbe's years, Shama Beguf, so following up, someone else asked, what is the most important teaching that Rabbi Schneerson gave? Well, I would focus again on this gula because everything else channels through that. But the most important teaching is ultimately that you and I are shluchim. That the Ebeshter gave you a shluchas that you and only you can accomplish. It's hard to qualify and say it's the only important teaching but it's a good, very good place to begin because if you have that in mind, everything else follows. The idea, the Rebbe was once asked, what is his favorite tefillah, davening? He said, Moida Ani. And we indeed see in Tavshin Chavov Yutas Kislev, 1965, the Rebbe, the classic Kuntus and which emerged from that, the Rebbe takes Moida Ani and explains how Chassidus illuminates every dimension of Pshat, Remez, Drush, Sod, in explaining Moidani, and then the Echidah that Chassidus adds to it, Moidani. So it's a simple prayer for every child. Every one of us understands it. I thank you for returning my Neshama to me, but at the same time it captures the essence. And Ayyem Yem it brings from the Rabbeim that the Nukud of Moidani should be spread throughout the day. Because when you begin the day with that mission, statement you're declaring and embracing your mission, I acknowledge that you return Nishmosi. That is the root of everything, because you acknowledge your core soul and how that your soul has a particular mission sent to this time and in this place, and that you are indispensable. When you have that in place, everything else follows. And we were told that the special mission in our time is Ashvi to bring the Gula, each one of us in our unique way to be creative, to be innovative, and come up with ways, not as Rosham, new ways, through Teira Mitzvahs, through Chsidis, to the point where you come to a full appreciation, understanding of what Gula is in your life, to personalize it, to envision what Mashiach and Gula will be like in your personal life. Okay, the next question. Why is this year's Gimel Thomas any different from the past 26 Gimel Thomases? 
Well, you could ask that question about anything, even though Gimel Thomas is uh, a certain type of day, but you could ask the same question as uh, we say every year, Manishtan and Pesach. Why is this Pesach different than last year's Pesach? Every year you ask the same question. Why Shvu is different than all the previous Shvu's? So we're told, Chsidis, that every Yom Tif is not just commemorating things that happened, but it's recreating. You're recreating that which happened the first time. Why? Because in Judaism, especially when you learn Kabbalah Chsidis, time is not a line. It's not a river of time. It's not linear. It's a spiral. A cycle. So every year Rosh Hashanah, the same things that happened the first Rosh Hashanah. Your birthday. It's not just you're remembering your birthday from the past. All that energy repeats itself. That's why the Alter Rebbe explains why do we count seven days of the week and then start again from day one? What happens on Sunday that's... Why not count? 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, etc. Because Yem Rishin recreates the first Yem Rishin. Because the time is... Every, every day is energy. The energy of Chesed is on Sunday. The energy of Gvur is on Monday. Shabbos is the energy of Malchus. So when the cycle ends, it starts another, but on a spiral in another plane. So every year has its particular power. It, within the context of whatever the message is. So every year, every day. But every time it has to be done differently in a spiritual sense. We say Shema many times a day. Same person has to say it with a different kavana based on the circumstances. So, I don't know the mysteries of the year 27 versus the year 26. There are different things in Svarim about numbers. I'm going to go into that. The Rebbe speaks a lot about these things. But clear, one thing is clear, that even though it happened 26 times before, this is a unique one. And now we believe that this will be the last Gimel Tammuz in Golos. And we can jump right into the Geula even before next year. Okay. Next question. What can we do differently or better this year in order to honor the Rebbe that we haven't done the past 26 years? I guess that's a continuation of the previous question. And my answer is, like people will say, well, you know, if you didn't do it last year, what are you making do? Well, how know you're going to do it this year? Again, you could ask the same question. If you didn't do everything right, Rosh Hashanah, last year, how do you know you're going to do it this year? We don't think like that. Vayuso, the psychology and the mentality of Vayuso is you don't say, if you didn't do it so well yesterday, I'm not, how am I? No. That's what the Yetzirah tightens. So it tries to cool us down and, and paralyze us by saying, who do you think you are? You didn't accomplish it yesterday. You're going to accomplish it today? That's not the derech of Tehidah Every moment we are renewed, and every moment we're given new energy. So despite the challenge, don't live in the past and become a victim of the past and say, because, like, you know, this is the example where a person doesn't have that spunk. What is youth all about? That you, every day is a new day. I didn't work yesterday. You'll see all people who are successful, it's not because they always are succeeding, but they always have a successful attitude. So even though at the moment there may be a setback. So first of all, that setback itself can be turned into an asset. And secondly, always forging ahead. It didn't work this way, we'll do it that way. That's the positive approach. And that's what Jewish, the Jewish people are, are known for. That resilience that no matter what we went through, we never said, oh, it didn't happen, so let's do it now. Let's not do it now because it didn't happen in the past. No, that's never the attitude. You pick yourself up and say, oh, let me learn from the past, and this time I'm going to do it better. That's the general attitude. So someone to say, 
It's 30 years since the Rebbe said 2,000 Masekent. And look, what were the results? What's the point to continue? Another drop in the bucket. Another drop. It didn't happen until now. Why do you think that now it's going to happen? To the point people say, what are you, arrogant? All these big people didn't do it till now. You're going to do it. That's not the way we think. What does the Rambam say? A person has to always envision that the world is equal. And the scales are equal. Zochius and the opposite. The merits and the opposite of merits. And one good word, one good thought, one good action, machriya, tips the scales and brings tshuva brings personal and global redemption. That's the attitude. I'll say one second, it didn't happen yesterday. That's not how we think. And as the Alter Rebbe said, that Bilam said, Arenu Ata. I see it, but not now. No, it's always now that it's possible. It's not like it will happen, or if it didn't happen, it's not going to happen. That's forging ahead. Next question. Did the Rebbe leave a will at Savoir? Some say the Rebbe had a will, was found in a safe after Gimel Thomas, and what did it say? So, to be very direct and honest, I don't know. Some say there was, some say there wasn't, some say we, we know there was versions that were not signed, some say it was signed. I'm not going to come and give any ver- final verdict. I don't have first eyewitness or anyone that I heard directly for sure that this is the way it is. It's riddled in, uh, and shrouded in all kinds of mysteries for whatever reason. What we do know, however, is that Metzoy Shabbos Truma, Tovshim Ches, which was right after Chav Beishvat. The Rebbe spoke a sicha, which sounds very much like a tzavah, which was shake, shook us all up. The Rebbe spoke about Nachshe B'cheshbein HaShalelom. As a matter of fact, the Rebbe asked a number of times for us to prepare the sicha for editing. Nobody had the, the gall, the, the ability to do it. Which, you know, for right or for wrong, we didn't do it. And there the Rebbe said that when there'll be a shayla, what to do, and that's when he appointed the Rabbonim, Chesidosh Rabbonim in each community. If it's matters of reform, the Rebbe said, go to doctors. And the Rebbe spelled out different questions that can come up and how to address them. And if it's something you don't have an answer, to go to the local Chesidosh Rabbonim in the community. You can look it up. It's uh, recorded. It was a very difficult sikha to hear, but in retrospect, the Rebbe was speaking about a situation like that. That didn't mean that the Rebbe was saying it's going to happen. But the Rebbe said, you have to prepare. So that's it. We do have an, there was a secular, well, I'm going to say there was a Hebrew, there was a, a, a legal will, but there the Rebbe doesn't speak about, he speaks about his personal property that it also go over to a good Chassidic Chabad, which was, of course, consistent, of course, consistent with Hey Tevis, the verdict that everything that a Rebbe is, the Rebbe alain belanged to Chassidim. So the Rebbe, his house and his personal belongings would go over to Agudah Chidi Chabad, which answers the question that uh, was also asked, another question. Let me just read it. What was done with the Rebbe's personal property after Gimel Tammuz? What happened to the Rebbe's house on President Street after Gimel Tammuz? So both of those, the answer is, it went over to Gudeshide Chabad, and from time to time, special days, the Rebbe's house is open for davening and for learning. 
And that's essentially the answer to that. Okay. Which only demonstrates even more how a Rebbe is part of Chassidim. Chassidim live on. The Rebbe lives on. The Rebbe's property, very property, is part of Chassidim. What was the Rebbe's condition between Chovzai and Oder and Gimel Tammuz? Okay. Initially, I didn't know if I was going to address this question, but as I said, I tried to address people have that in their minds, so how could we not address it? When the Rebbe was recovering from the stroke, which is after Chov Zayin 1992, for a few months he would come out to this balcony in the back of 770. But it wasn't entirely clear to a simpleton like me what the Rebbe's state was and condition. Rabbi Jacobson, can you please relate some stories of the Rebbe that occurred during those months that can show that the Rebbe was completely in control? Thank you. Well, the people did write questions the Rebbe would respond through with using his head, nodding or, or, or saying no. There was the story with the hurricane in, Cal- in, I think, Andrew in Florida. The Rebbe said to not evacuate. They told the Chabad, Shluchim, and the people there. And there were things that people considered to be miracles. I mean, these are stories that are documented, and you can ask the people that are around. I am not a doctor, and neither, neither do I want to be. And neither do, even if I was, I wouldn't be Parkinzich and trying to figure out the Rebbe's condition, it's not my job. It's between God and the Rebbe, and if they need doctors, bring doctors in to do what they have to do. I don't think Chassidim is their role to go and deal with that issue at all. If anything, to help make sure that you get professionals. Suffice it with that. I don't want to go further into it. Things were not all done quite the way it should have been done. And as a Chassid, I feel just like Ein Rein Samelech Keshuvim Mistaper. That you don't look at a king when he's taking a haircut, even though he's taking a haircut. We saw the Rebbe, a barber go into the Rebbe's room and come out, and you saw the Rebbe had a haircut. But still, you don't see a king taking a haircut and doing other things. Because Zamelech, Tifarte, and there's an union of Hadras Melech and Kovid Hamelech, and some things that we have to stay with. So if it's only a haircut, imagine going into the Rebbe's medical condition, what his heart is like, what his mind is like, what is this? It's not in my domain. And though I always say I'll answer questions, but yes, but I also have the right certain questions I don't want to go to because it's not my area of expertise and I'm not even interested. The I know the Rebbe is a shliach of the Ebishter and the Ebishter takes care of him. Hopefully the chassidim and the people around the Rebbe will do everything possible to make sure that that is held up in the greatest way and that's what I would say about this topic. Okay. Now, next question. Well, I will say one more thing. One thing we do know, however, is that Chavzai Nader was 11 months to the day from Chavches Nisan, where the Rebbe said, I did everything. So if you want to talk about Chavzai Nader, maybe talk about you and I. Not about what's going on. I'm not worried about the Rebbe. I'm worried about us. Are we understanding the message? And then two years later to the day of Chavzai Nader was what? A second stroke, which should have and, and, and probably did shake up all of us. It shook me up. That's when I actually made the decision to write toward a meaningful life. And then a few months later it was Gimel Tammuz. So instead of trying to figure out in the Rebbe's in Yonim, we have to figure out what does it mean to us, going back to the message of, of Ayesol, what do it mean to you and to I? So in that context, who decided to take the Rebbe to the hospital after the second stroke? Again, a question I'd rather not address, 
But since someone asked it, I'm reading it, and I'm saying that, I don't want to address it. That goof is the Shivre Bitside. Because we know the Rebbe said to the secretaries they didn't want to leave, he didn't want to leave 770 to go to the hospital. That was the case in 1977 when the Rebbe had the heart attack, Shemini Atzeres. So if so, who made the decision to bring him to the hospital after the second stroke? And especially we know after the first stroke, Achav Zaino, the Rebbe stayed in 770. So here I don't, can't answer that question. I don't know who made the decision. To justify it, I would say, look, the doctors, everyone had said this is now desperate. So that's why they did it. That would be the most likely reason. I, the Rebbe, didn't want earlier. So you could argue, should the Rebbe stay because of that? Or should we do whatever we know, since you couldn't ask the Rebbe? And the Rebbetson was also not here to ask, as it was in Tav Shalom Ches. So that's all I'm going to really say about that. What else can I say? Okay, next question. Did the Rebbe make any public statements alluding that Gimel Tam was what happened? And what he wanted us to do afterward. Was it alluded to in the 28th Nisan, the Chavches Nisan Sich? But another person writes in this context, Dear Rabbi Jacobson, I love your Sunday night Torah broadcast. Thank you and keep up the good work. In your opinion, in retrospect, do you think the Rebbe's speech on Chavches Nisan, where he said, I've done all I can, now it's up to you to bring Mashiach. Was the Rebbe foreshadowing that Gimel Tamas would happen? Are there any other hints or clues on that speech that implied the Rebbe felt the health of his physical body was declining? Okay, well, on one hand, I, I working in the Sikhs at the time, did not see that the Rebbe alluding to a Gimel Tamas. Yes, he spoke to Mitzvah Shabbos through Mashiach about Cheshbein HaShalelam, Bova Nachshab, Cheshbein HaShalelam, but that is Alpitaida, you, you prepare. Story of the Samach Tzedek that he cited there. The Chavches Nissen, you could say no. The Rebbe said the Gula didn't come yet. What else can be done? I've done everything I can, so the only thing to do is to give it to you. Purim Zayin, the Rebbe said the same thing. And Purim Zayin, you're talking about, is five years before the stroke. And seven years before, or eight years even, before uh, Gimel Tammuz. So I don't know if you can read it. In retrospect, when you go back, you could say now with Gimel Tamas and all of it, not that the Rebbe necessarily meant it, but maybe we didn't do what we had to do. And the Rebbe said, you do whatever you can. And Gimel Tamas now fortified that, if you wish. That's the most you can really say. To know what was in the Rebbe's mind, who would know? The Rebbe firmly believed the Gula would come. And if the Gula would come, we'd have all the brachas. and wouldn't have to go through Gimel Tamas. It was clear from all the sikhs that it wasn't like, okay, you know, in case it doesn't happen. The Rebbe never spoke of that language. It was a definite. That's why it was so shocking to so many. And it still remained shocking. So I would stay away from alluding to, even though the Friedrich Rebbe, yes, there was the Remez of the Yud and the other things that the Friedrich Rebbe did. Can you, in retrospect, start looking for different signs? That's always the case. But to my understanding, the Rebbe was guiding us and leading us toward the Geula and said, let's do everything we can. And that was the driving force. And there was no plan B. At the same time, a Rebbe does prepare for all circumstances and there's no question the Rebbe left us all the resources we need even after a Gimel Tammuz. So that's how I would phrase the response to that question. Is Yechia Melech a salute people give to a leader during the last stages of life? 
Dear Rabbi Jacobson, as we approach Gimel Tamas, I've been reflecting on the final years of the Rebbe's physical life, in which Chassidim sang Yechi, and I'm reminded of the first Yechi Melech mentioned in Tanakh, that the Rebbe referred to, Beis Nisim Memches, as King David lay on his deathbed. In this statement, one of the sadness that those close to a passing leader say or sing in order to comfort is this the statement that one is sadness and those close to a passing leader say or sing in order to comfort the leader in his final moments and to comfort themselves as he passes on? If I recall correctly, that that's not the purpose. The purpose is actually to help him heal, to give him strength, to give him strength to be able to overcome any challenges. That was how it was understood in Beis and That was also how it was understood afterwards. That it was a call to help strengthen the Rebbe to get through the challenge of Chavzai and other. How others interpret it, I don't know, and how it's used today, everyone has their own interpretation. But these are human interpretations. We're talking about Teda interpretation. Yes, you strengthen a Rebbe, you strengthen a Melech by saying Yechi Melech in that sense, like the story with Dovid Melech, and I referred you to the source, Beis and Tov Shem Emches. Is there a reason the community didn't appoint the eighth Rebbe, an eighth Rebbe, to the Chabad dynasty? Did the Rebbe prohibit the community from doing so? Rebbes are not appointed by human beings, they're appointed by God. Moshe Rabbeinu was chosen by the Ebeshter. And it doesn't matter what the people think, whether they like or don't like him. These are not up to elections, it's not a democracy. Same thing with Mashiach, and same thing with the Rebbe. After the Istalkas of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe was there. It wasn't that people went for us. It was there. God sent him. Had God not sent him, God forbid, what would have been? Would they find someone? I mean, as an administrator? Or are you talking about as a Rebbe? The fact of the matter is, the Ebishter wants to send someone. He knew how to send Baal Shem Tev, the Baal Shem Tev, when the time was necessary. So it's not a question whether we want or not want. It's a question whether the Ebishter wants. And it could very well be Derashvi is the last generation of Golis, and therefore there is no eighth. But it's not up to us. It's up to God. Some people can say, well, why don't you, as an administrator, we need someone to be a figurehead. But those that know what a Rebbe is, a Rebbe is not a figurehead, and he's not a CEO, and he's not an administrator or a fundraiser. A Rebbe is a Ishalikim. Ishalikim means it's godly. So yes, you can have a mentor, you could have a Rav, you could have a Mashpia, but a Rebbe is a Rebbe. And that, again, is not in our domain. Now, you'll say, what happens if God did send someone? If God sent someone, I'm sure he would make sure that people understand that he's sending it. But that did not happen, and so on. Now, if somebody has a candidate, <laughs> you know, again, it has to be something that's divine and godly. Okay. And finally, one more question. Why don't we have a public fast day on Gimel Thomas to exhibit our sadness? First of all, fast days are designated by, again, by the Torah and by Alpi Torah. You don't just come and make fast days. There's no fast day designated for the Holocaust because Tishabov and other sad fast days include the Holocaust as explained in many different places. I've spoken about this a number of times. Just like the different holidays represent not just that holiday, but other forms of redemption and, and, and salvation. Secondly, Sadness, we don't, when the Torah says, make a tainus, it's sadness in order to awaken, as the Rambam writes, the hearts of people, that they're not insensitive and that they look and soul search and in, in introspection 
to look at their, what they can do to repair their actions. Sadness is not an end in itself, as we spoke earlier. As we spoke earlier. Sadness is a catalyst for growth. And that's what Gimel Thomas is, a catalyst for growth, and that's what it should be. Okay. So I've covered it from many different angles. I believe I addressed many different questions, and there were many more, but I hope this uh, suffices. I will do is go now to Pasha Chukas, and it's also connected. Remember, Gimel Thomas Tovshin Nundalad, 27 years ago, was Mitzoy Shabbos Pasha Kedach, and Yem Rishin of Pasha's Chukas. Similar to what we say about Chavdala Tevis was Mitzoy Shabbos Pasha Shmois, says writes at Samach Sadek, and early Yem Rishin Pasha's Ve'era. And the Rebbe explains the connection to both. So Kedach, we spoke about last week, Kedach challenged the very concept of a Rebbe, Madu'a Tisnasu, which is what Gimel Tamaz does, challenges the very concept of a Rebbe, and then the answer is, no, the Rebbe is with us, the Rebbe is here, we need a Rebbe. Chukas addresses the issue of death. Pirud Neshamim Aguf, when the Guf and a soul and body separate, that's Tumas Mes. Beginning, how do you heal? How do you purify from the impurity, from the toxins of death? To the point that Moshe Rabbeinu himself, even though Hashem was showing him how you purify from Tumas Zav and Tumas Nida and Tumas Mitzedas, Mitzedas, and so on, came to Tumas Mes. It says, Neskarkam upon of Shalmesha. The Medish of this week's Pasha. Moshe's face turned white, turned pale. Different interpretations of Neskarkma, but he was disturbed. What will purify? What will heal from the impurity and toxic energy of death? Well, Moshe didn't know that the Abishta, just as he gives, he takes. Just as he takes, he gives the Abishta, just like he takes an Asham, it could also give us the tools of how to heal. And just as there were a Tata for all the other impurities, there's not one for this. What disturbed him? And the Rebbe spoke about it, the Dishleshim of the Rebbe Tzinchayim Mushket, Pasha Kisiso Tovshim Emches. And he said, Moshe Rabbeinu knew what it says in Chesidus and in Teira. He did the Tzedek Aliyah and the Neshama lives on. And he knew what it says in all these Mamorim. And yet he was disturbed until the Ebesht appointed Marabed's boy Ve'imer Zez, Zeus, Chukas This, the Pora Aduma, the Red Heifer. And that... so to speak, was a response. So the Rebbe answered, because all the biyurim, all the explanations of chassidus, they're all cerebral, they're all cognitive explanations. But when the heart sees death, it's broken. Because at the end of the day, for one second, there's a rega kotna zavticha, even one second, that a neshama, a nefesh alakis, a neshama, godly neshama, is separated from a body, that's extremely disturbing. There's a dvekus, there's a connection. So it was Samoyshe Yeg. All the beauty are nice, but personally, he took it personally with empathy. And that was Mamete Torosi. So what was the attack of Ebishter's answer? And what does Chassidus say? How does the red heifer, the Pura Duma heal? So the Alta Rebbe, of course, it's a chukah shakakakti, gzedegazati. It's a chukah, it's a classic chukah. That we don't have an answer for. Why would a red heifer, the ashes and the, and the fire and the ashes and the water, and Zadak and then spraying the water on the someone who, who touched a mess, 
encountered a death, death, why would that heal? What's the connection? So though it's takachukka, but like the Rambam says, wherever we can try to explain, we explain. And the Rambam, and the Alter Rebbe explains in Pasha Chukas, this week's Pasha Lukut Tera, that the, the source of life is rotze and shuv, like in the heartbeat, contraction, expansion, like in the breath, exhale, inhale. That's where life comes from, rotze and shuv. That's the way God made it, that the energy flows, and then it returns to its source and flows again. A constant process, a pulse, a pulsating energy. Rotsi Vishuv. The Pura Duma is Rotsi and Shuv, it's Asian Mayim. They burn the Pura, they take the ashes, the Efera Pura, mix it with water, Mayim Chaim, so it's Gvura and Chesed, Rotsi and Shuv. Fire is like Rotsi, it reaches up, water goes down, Rotsi and Shuv, and that creates resurrection in a way, renews life. Now, until Mashiach comes in Tchis HaMesim, it won't be in a physical sense. But from the point of view, someone who is touched by the separation of Rotsi Vishuv, the way you have to bring back Rotsi Vishuv through the Paraduma. So Naveda means, as he explains, that Rotsi is the passions where a person yearns for God passionately and burns away all the excess of the animal soul, the Kayach, the Taivas of the animal soul, but leaves Efer. Because the koyach hamesavet, the power to desire, even bad desires, the power to desire is just trapped in the bad desires. But you can separate. Like when you, when, when you burn something, not everything disappears, only the ash remains. That's the power of desire. Which is, as he says, you say, that's rooted in a very high level. The problem is it got trapped and being held hostage by the action of desire, by the object, when you desire something inappropriate. Not apitera, the power of desire is now actively involved in that. So the fire separates. Now you're left just with the power of desire. You mix it with water, mayim, mayim chayim, mayim from teda. And there you have a renewed, you've taken the, you've stripped the negative desires of their manifestation. You reach to the root of it in the power of desire in the efer. You mix it with water and now you direct it toward the desire and passion toward godliness. That's what brings life. Because ultimately, life and death is not just physical, it's also spiritual. I mentioned before, Tzadikim, even in their deaths, even Misosam, Kruim Chaim. Rishoim, even in their lifetimes, they're called Rishoim, Gambe Chaim, Likroim Mesim. They're called death. Why? They're physically alive. Because it's more than life, it's not just medical and physical. It's like Chayasada. When do you see she's really alive? After her passing, and you see her impact. Because real life is not just you're walking around and breathing and talking and walking and so on. Real life is bringing godly life into this world that lives on forever. So when a person is indulging in material things which are temporary and impermanent and are all subject to decay and erosion and death, so they're involved in in dead things basically. That's what Gashmias is. But that's where the Eberster wanted to make a deal with and to introduce real life. What's real life? When you do something neshamadik, something from Teda, Teda's Chaim, Neshama Chaim. True life is godly life. So when you introduce purpose into the world, into your life, and you do things directed towards real eternal life, you become a channel for eternal life. So the Pura Adama represents all of that. A healthy Ratzi Veshuv 
to counter the hefsik hachayim that comes through being involved in indulging in gashmis. What a rosh is, roshayim gam bechayim kriyemesim. Because they're physically alive, but they're not connected to true life, eternal life. People make money, they eat, they indulge in other things. All these things are temporary, they all will die. So we know, even if it's not dead yet, it's a, it's a dying process. That Rabbeinu Bechai writes, Tinuk Mishanel Maschil Yisyavish. A child, when he's born, he's all vibrant. He's already beginning to decay, to dry up. Why? Because you don't begin to age when you're 80. You begin to age when you're day one. It just takes time for it to be obvious. Because if you didn't have day one and day two, and if you didn't have 70 years, 80 years behind you, you wouldn't be 80. However, human beings can deceive themselves into thinking, I don't see it decaying. I don't see it eroding. So it's all strong, more powerful. We feel invulnerable. But the truth is nothing in this material world is invulnerable because it's all subject to erosion and all subject to, to impermanence. Except if you infuse it with something nitzchizdik. If you become a channel for something that is eternal, then you become something eternal. When you use your body, your physical being, your physical actions for something that's an eternal purpose, you take a coin. Instead of just indulging, which is temporary, you give it to someone. That kindness lives on forever. Yichud zen nitzchid, Alter Rebbe says in Tanya. Forever, Leila, but forever. We may not see it right away, but it's forever. The kindness you did to that person will never die. Even if you're not here anymore. Even if the money is not here, but the kindness remains. And the same thing with, with any mitzvah. Every good deed introduces nitzchis, which is eternity, in a temporary and mortal world. We're introducing immortality, eternity, into a mortal and limited world. That's the kavon, to bring bligvul into gvul. The infinite into the finite, and even beyond the infinite into the finite. That's the ultimate purpose. Paraduma encapsulates that. So yes, though we cry over the death, but we know we also have the hope that there'll be the Ratzi Veshuv that will reunite Neshama Beguf. And that's also the context, the connection to Gimel Tamas. Taka Gimel Tamas, Begoli was a hefsik. At least to our eyes of flesh and blood. Mitzoy Shabbos Kedach. Kedach challenged the idea of a Rebbe comes Chukas and says, one second, there's Tara, there's a purification, there's a Tikkun, even for this horrible Tumas mess. Even that Tuma, that impurity, that toxin, that Moshe Rabbeinu trembled and disturbed, was disturbed. Because God's saying, here, Zeis, I am showing it to you. That's why God had to show it. Because you don't come to this on your own. This has to be a godly power. It's not something we can figure out on our own. You need only God who gives life and takes life. And only God who knows the mysteries of life and death and the Shama and Guf and how they function can give the power of Mechayim Esim, both Beruchnis and Begashmis. So that is the connection to Gimel Thomas. Another question about Pasha Chukas. Why was it a sin for Moshe to hit the rock? So let's read it inside. Nowhere in the 613 commandments does it say, thou shalt not hit rocks. Hi, if I was responsible for the welfare of hundreds of thousands of people in the desert, I would hit, kick, bite, or slam rocks if I thought it would give the people I cared about enough water to drink to survive. Therefore, what Moshe did was an act of avasis at all. And he should have been rewarded, not punished. 
We also are taught by the rabbis that in a time of emergency, we can violate the rules of the Teda, except for the bad three of murder, adultery, and idolatry, in order to save someone's life. Kalvachemer, when thousands can die of thirst without water. So even if God gave Moshe a temporary command to speak to Iraq, the lack of water emergency should have provided Moshe a valid reason not to follow the command. Therefore, Moshe is not guilty of doing anything wrong, and I feel his punishment of not being able to enter Israel was unjust. Okay, I don't know who you are, but you know what? I mean, good. So you can t- bring God to Adin Tera and with your arguments here. But remember, God has the final say. So it's an excellent question. I never heard of it quite posed that way. However, there's a few things that I have to keep in mind. It's true that if Hashem said nothing, Moshe should do everything possible to help the Jews. Speak to Iraq, hit Iraq, <laughs> whatever it takes. Correct. I totally agreed. But here, the story was that the first time Meshe, Hashem told Moshe to speak to the rock. Now he told him, uh, the first time he told him to hit the rock, I'm sorry. Now he's telling him to speak to the rock. Moshe did, and he didn't see water come out of it. So that's why he hit the rock, because he remembered Hashem said to hit the rock. But remember, let's be honest here. It's the equal miracle to get water out of a rock, whether you hit it or you speak to it. Try it out. Try it out at home. Bring a rock. And first try to speak to it. You won't get any water. I can assure you. Unless it has water in it or something. We're talking about a real rock. Then try to hit it. And you can also not get water. So frankly, both are an act of amuna. Because water, rocks don't give water. Water doesn't come from rocks. So you could ask a better question. He didn't even do something. Who's going to? If Moshe said, what are you talking about? God. Since when do you speak or hit a rock and I get water? You want water, you go to a brook. You go, you get rain, just like Lechem and Hashemayim. Send the Mayim, make Shamim, send, send rain from heaven. Or Tal, whatever. Moshe didn't say that. So, so you could say it's an act of Amunah. But here was the point. This was not an issue about saving the Jews with water. This was the issue of Moshe's abiding by the, the Abishta's words. The big hill Hashem here was this. If anyone else had hit the rock, it would have been considered a, a mitzvah because you know what? As I said, it's an act of amunah to think a rock can give water. But the problem is it's Moshe Rabbeinu. That's standard. And everyone's looking at Moshe and he changed. Like in Akilu, he had a stickle suffolk that maybe he should, he should hit it and not speak to it, even though everyone heard that he should speak to the rock. That goes, Chil Hashem has nothing to do with the act. It has to do with who's doing it. The Gemara talks about Rabchia not wanting to take meat on credit from a butcher what's wrong everybody does things on credit he'll pay him later because he may be seen going away from the butcher with the meat and people will say oh he didn't pay aye that's not true but it's not a sign people see it that way that Friedrich Rebbe the Rebbe once said in the Fabrengen connected to this he brought this as a proof he said the Friedrich Rebbe when he was offered to leave for his prison so he said it was Thursday and they said to him you go by train he said, when will the train come? They'll say, after Shabbos. It means he had to be on the train for Shabbos. Now, so the Friedrich Rebbe said no. First of all, so you can go on a train even on Shabbos, if it's Pekoch Nefesh. Secondly, even if not, he's leaving on Thursday. He's already on the train. He's allowed to be on the train. But the Friedrich Rebbe knew that people are watching him. He's a Rebbe. And the Bolsheviks, especially the Yvesekzi, wanted to show that you see your big Rebbe, when it comes to himself, he's only driving on Shabbos. 
Even though it's api and everything would have been allowed. But, the, but because it was the Rebbe, so he did not want even one suffix. In other words, when you're on that level, even shifting from the Ebers to saying, speak to the rock, to hit the rock, and not doing that, from a level of Moshe, that was grave sin. Because then, as the Rebbe always says, that you look at your mashpia, and if he doesn't do something, you could say, you know what, I can do double not something. Basically, the mashpia has to always do double good, because someone looking at him says, if he's on that level, then I can do half of that. So he has to do double. When you're talking about a Moshe Rabbeinu, even one shift, how would the Jews interpret it? You know what, I could also do a shift, look at Moshe. Famous story about the, the, uh, the different people tell the story different ways. This uh, person who was a masmi used to learn 22 hours every, every day. Slept, barely slept. He got older. His family said to him, you're already older man, rest a little more, you learn 20 hours a day. 21 hours was 22. So his answer was, if I go from 22 to 21, so someone in another city who goes to Davin every morning, Shachris, Mithaminian, is not going to go. And someone only goes once a week to davening, won't go. And someone in America who goes once a year, Yom Kippur Tashul, won't stop going. In other words, it's like a ripple effect. His one little shift on his level will affect everyone to the point that it could become a very big effect. So this is the story. Moshe had complete amunah that the Jews are not dying from starvation or from thirst. First of all, he saw what happened till that point that Abish to provide it. So this was not an issue where Moshe thought if he doesn't hit the rock, the Jews, he was, look, he was looking to achieve what Abish to wants. But that was the shift. So the question is an excellent question and that's the answer. One final question which I'm looking at time-wise. I don't know if I have the time to go over right now. Um, well, I'll just say it briefly. The question about Nechash and in this week's Pasha, that Mesha put up a copper snake and that led to healing. So some ask the question, we see that today in medical, uh, the medical symbol is a snake around a rod that does originate from the Torah. And the concept is that Anochash is the source of Sam, right? Zuma, the Sam Amovis, the serpent in Eden, he poisoned Odom, Achava and Odom. So when you want to heal, real healing comes from transforming poison into healing. You see the idea of antibiotics, or even or, um, or other forms of alternative medicine, which, which uses that concept that takes the, the illness itself and turns it into a form of healing. So that's symbolic symbolism. I'll try to talk about more in a, in a coming program, but due to time, I'm going to stop with that. Okay. Homeopathy is the word I was going to look for. That homeopathy is very much based on that concept. So now, the Chassidus question, how does the red heifer heal from death, I addressed. Let me conclude with essays. So even though it's a special Gimel Thomas edition, but what more nachas does the Rebbe have when he sees people applying Chassidus to contemporary challenges and issues? So here we have it. So there's four tracks. We're on the 26th place winners. The essay in English, Loving the World Like We Love Ourselves. Shoshana Gottlieb, age 25, King's Cross Clinic, receptionist in Sydney, Australia. Beautiful essay about sensitivity to the environment. If you really want environmentalism, learn Chassidus. It's a very good essay on that topic. The creative essay is Light, 
the series are several paintings by Rivka Enav, age 27, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, taking the principles of light and Tehri, he oyer, echsidis, and expressing in terms of Neir Shabbos, Neir Hanukkah, how light is so powerful in a very beautiful series of images. The essay in Hebrew, men, Etzman Neshama B'chaim Shalonu, taking the concept of Etzman Neshama and addressing it in our lives where we have so many different challenges by Menachem Mendel Schneerson, student at Nest Siena, Israel. And the essay in Hebrew, women, Seich L'Regesh HaMashe B'Neim. The mind, the heart, and that which, and the feelings, and that's which is between them. Ziki Lerner, student Kfar Chabad Israel, and Apichsidis takes the mind, the heart, the emotions, self-control, and the ideas that Chassidus talk about all of this. So these essays, the creative and the essay in English, can be seen at at chassidusapplied.com. The Hebrew essays, both men and women, can be seen at diralo.org, d-i-r-a, d-i-r-a-l-o.org. And with that, we conclude this special edition of My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 358, special edition, Gimel Tammuz. May we do our part and finish the last remnants of what the Rebbe gave us, the mandate. In the schus of Gimel Tammuz, no doubt that the Rebbe, with the Ebeshter behind him, will do their part and will be zechet to the Gula Mitis Vashlem and see how Gimel Tammuz, like the Gimel Tammuz of the Friedrich Rebbe, becomes Aschalta de Gula, the full Gula Mitis Vashlema. Everyone be well and healthy. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. My life is supplied. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.